Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a, a delayed Starling City Radio, but believe me, it was worth the wait. This is now episode 14, and I am one of your hosts, Alistair Kennedy, and he is your other host. Ross Shaw. Oh, nice one, nice. He didn't throw me <laughs> off tonight. I, <laughs> I, I was going to, but I felt, well, I kind of, I was ill last week, so I didn't really want to, you know, push it to too much pressure, so I decided yeah. to. So, so, so last week, I believe you got kidnapped in the streets of Stalin and got injected with a miracle. I, was... I did, yeah. I, I, I Luckily, this sort of hooded figure managed to save me and give me an antidote so I could come back oh, onto the, the radio waves as soon as possible, so I'm quite glad, so shout out to my main boy, my homeboy the vigilante whoever, you, whoever he may be in the words yeah. of detective plants <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> who stares at him six inches away i mean come on i mean i even knew who he was when see once i woke up but hey ho yeah i'm not reveal his identity obviously oh no 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 <laughs> it's, it's the street code ross that he lives by the the oh, ross okay. yeah on a on a code of ross so um yeah we're back uh, this is gonna be a mega episode we've got a lot of stuff to discuss obviously the week that we weren't here there was no episode arrow so no fret you're not missing out on anything if you just listen to us and not watch the tv show um and uh, we, we have a very special guest on tonight so um what we're gonna do actually is mix the show up a wee bit this is gonna be a mega show right so we're gonna start off with a bit of arrow news uh, but it's going to be done by me because Ross, when he was in um, undisclosed locations getting care from the vigilante, wasn't able to keep up to date with uh, Starling News. So um, I'm going to do a bit of the news tonight, if that's okay with you guys. I hope it is. Yep. And um, after that, we're going to go right into our book that we announced for last week, which was The Wonder Year. And um, after that, there's a few surprises coming once the interview is done. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of good stuff. It's like a bumper episode, you know? It's quite bumper, good. Bumper, yeah. yeah. Celebrate our 14th time on the air. It's going to be awesome. 14, 14 <laughs> weeks. Well, 15 weeks if you count the missing week. Like that grumpy teenager mode now, you know? We could just be grumpy <laughs> idiots for the next couple of years until we mature out by the time we get to yeah. 18. You know? Ah, you never, you you do not know what's going to happen. <laughs> so we'll get things kicked off in Arrow News. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know why I felt like giving myself a theme for that. We news. need to get a theme like that now. We really need to do like a, a Starling City uh, news flash thing. I'll, I'll I'll speak to people in my work see if we can get something notched up. <laughs> ah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> okay, okay. So um, in an interview, um, Arrow creator Mark Guggenheim has admitted several things. One is a spoiler for the episode, which we'll discuss coming up with a certain DC character appearing. And the other is the... Well, oh no, in fact, there's another piece here. The Huntress may get a spin-off comic from her time away from Arrow. What do you think of that, Ross? I think it's a bad move. Mm. Um, I mean, if the Huntress gets a spin-off comic, depending, obviously, on how next week's episode is going to come along with uh, Birds of Prey... um, if the Huntress does get a spin-off comic, maybe this is their way of saying it's going to be a Birds of Prey spin-off comic. Uh, but they're trying to maybe, like, you know, like keep that to one side. I can't see how the Huntress will be able to keep... I mean, I understand that she's spent a whole year globetrotting to try and hunt down uh, her father, which does um, introduce sort of, like, uh, interesting stories and stuff like that. But I don't think her as a character could uh, keep a, a comic book on her shoulders. But... It could be quite interesting to see whether or not she bumps into certain people that may have been alluded to or hinted at 
uh, during the, the actual TV show. So, I mean, like, I think it's a bad idea. However, uh, these guys who have been coming, like Mark Guggenheim and the, all the producers who are coming up with all this stuff have been pretty much hitting the nail on the head. So, you know, well, I, I'm 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 intrigued at, yeah. at the best to see what's going on. You know, I'm 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 not overly excited, but it'll be interesting to see whether or not this can get pulled off. Yeah, and I, I think it'll be digital. I reckon, like the Arrow comic was. Do you know? What oh I mean? yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be one of those sort of monthly ones, maybe to fill in the gap between season mm. two and season three. We might get the. Uh, 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 yeah, you know, I we, um, we might get this hundred thing. It could be like the volume two. Yeah, volume one of the content, but you know, we'll... you know, you never know. We'll see, we'll see. And uh, the other piece of news during this interview, this is from Superhero Move News, and they said that Mark Guggenheim has revealed that Roy Harper will eventually become Arsenal uh, rather than Speedy or Red Arrow uh, because he doesn't like the nickname Speedy. But um, I can't imagine Ollie turning around calling him Speedy. That might be an actor's sort of input that he would rather be Arsenal in my mind. But. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose at the end of the day, if you think about it, though, he calls his, well, he called his little sister That's Speedy. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it was kind of like if I had a nickname for my little sister, I wouldn't really want to call, like, a <laughs> yeah. worker the same name, you know? So, but I mean, <laughs> like, Arsenal, <laughs> I mean, like, Arsenal would, it kind of fits Roy a bit better off, like, in the sense that, like, He's an arsenal of weapons in the sense that, you know, he will be able to use the bow. He will be able to fight. He does have super strength so far. You know, he's he literally has probably a, a, a collective of skills um, that, uh, that sort of, you know, uh, makes sense as being called someone called Arsenal, you know, mm-hmm. sort of idea. You know, like, maybe he could be called Arsenal in the sense that, like, he might end up being, you know, becoming one of. He may be the one that utilizes the trick arrows sort of idea. You know, he has the arsenal of of mm. stuff that like Green Arrow. He well, Arrow would jump in mm-hmm. uh, to do the mission, but then Arsenal would be sort of in the background providing Arrow with the supplies that he needs or something like. That. You know, that that could be an idea as to where they could roll for. I can totally understand why they would go with Arsenal, and in all honesty, I would have. I would prefer him being called Arsenal than Speedy. I think Speedy is a little outdated and yeah. a little childlike. I mean, it's even like Robin is almost is pretty much childlike almost. as well, you know. Uh for example, like, you know, even if um uh if if the Batman that we we're going to see in Zack Snyder's um mm-hmm. uh, uh Batman Superman had a Robin, it just wouldn't sound right, I don't think. I think those no. kind of sidekick names are are pretty much out of fashion. So it's because however, super it's because superheroes have grew, grown up with their audience and you know Yeah, exactly, yes. Well, yeah, that that's another thing as well. So I think like that kind of like Arsenal uh, uh, name is mm. probably a wee bit better. Uh, yeah. I I do agree. Show. Yeah, yeah, for this show because yeah, my reasons were uh, that I thought was because Speedy was obviously Thea Red Arrow is just ridiculous because he doesn't get called Green Arrow yet. And obviously having him as Red Arrow would be having two exactly the same characters on the same show. Exactly. That that's yeah. the, the the other thing I was gonna say as well is the fact that like you already have Arrow. Why why have Red Arrow on top of that, you know? So Arsenal is a completely different thing. And it could also open up that possibility that he could go rogue himself and just do his own thing, being under the the, the persona of Arsenal, so yeah, and I think it might lead to uh, obviously Arsenal in the comics, not in the New Fifty Two, but had his arm removed at some point and replaced with was it a robotic arm or a? 
Yeah, well, I had I had a bit of a debate with some with some more knowledgeable mm. DC friends of mine, and uh, we we came to a bit of a sort of confusion. And hopefully, our listeners might be able to um, uh, uh, get ourselves sorted with this one, right? I've always known Arsenal as uh, after Roy uh, got pre- was involved in the explosion and he lost his arm and he became Arsenal, right? That was I always thought that that was his sort of. Um, transition from speedy then to red arrow then to arsenal sure, right sure. however some of my dc knowledgeable friends are saying that in the comic books that never happened it was only in the cartoon that he huh. lost his arm now i can't like i've not really had the chance this week to really delve into this so it's always been through text message and facebook that i've i've uh, we've had this discussion but yeah there's been a there, there has thrown up some dirt in my eyes about how he became arsenal like what is the actual like official continuity or canon now obviously i should really know um so that's something i'm going to research for myself but if any of the listeners would be interested to see our debate whether or not like how how our listeners perceive arrow like are are you the people in my camp in terms of the fact that know him because he was a per- he was a guy that got his arm ripped off and he became arsenal that way or have you grown up with a different sort of idea yeah, of Arsenal? Arsenal. Yeah, see, I always it's thought... It's quite it. different, because I'm just like yourself, Ali. I, I always thought that it's because he got his arm ripped off that he became Arsenal. And then I got thrown this uh, curveball to say, oh, no, no, he, he was he, he just decided to become Arsenal one day. And I was like, oh, right, <laughs> yeah. really? What? Well, well see, here's, here's what I've managed to pull just during that, because as far as I was concerned, that's what I knew of Arsenal. In the New Titans Volume 1 from 1999, he became Arsenal. And on the cover of that, he's wearing a lovely Hawkeye-style purple suit. Um, he doesn't have a metal arm in it. Um, but I've always known Arsenal as, like, he, was, he had the metal arm. Unless maybe... Unless maybe he became, he subtly became Arsenal, but then he only made like the mainstream storylines when he lost his arm. Mm. That could be maybe one thing. I don't know. I'll tell you what. But next still. week, listeners, Ross's character will be Arsenal, and we will. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, I will delve into this this whole sort of myra. And as I said, like it just it came only a couple of days ago. I, like even myself, I was thrown out with this. I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, so next next week we'll far more in Arsenal to fill you all in and fill us in as well. Not in that way, listeners. Just keep it easy. Keep it at a professional level. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Ross, Ross, Ross will delve into the world of Arsenal because I was confused as well as he was. So anyway, we'll move on to the next part of the news, which was um, there was a certain DC um, villain uh, that appeared on Arrow this week that we're going to well, talk about much later. Anti-hero, I anti-hero. think, after Suicide Squad. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say I mean. So, um, basically, the writer of Arrow has said that it may feature further Batman characters. Mark, uh, well, Mark, it's obviously Nightwing. Yeah, Mark Guggenheim's hinted that, and he said that, um, basically, they have to go to DC and talk about it. And they've been told which characters are and aren't available, but he says that the Batman lineup, there is still available characters that they can use. So I would imagine Nightwing. Um, I don't see a crossover with this Gotham. I like um, God, no, no. please no. I if hope... that happened, then I just well, I don't, I don't think it would because like <laughs> it can't. It'd be impossible. Yeah, it can. It can. It's set several years before, but basically, it's basically Guggenheim said that it will not limit. DC said that they will not limit Arrow and its ability to feature Batman characters, which is a good thing, a very good thing. Um, 100% good thing, you know, it, it's good. And 
I know uh, you're all for Nightwing, and so am I. We're all for Nightwing, but uh, just as just to confirm our listeners, is that just because we're all for Nightwing, Nightwing has not yet to be officially announced no. on Arrow. So he was teased um, by Steve McQueen and yeah. the Arrow writers. And there's there's a couple things that I did read last week um, that people were maybe thinking that he was just doing that, and in terms of like promoting himself for for Nightwing. But I've got a funny feeling though that he's been uh, he's been told to keep it on the down low yes. uh, before anything's happened. And I would love to see Nightwing. And as I said, I would like I'm, I'm calling it right now. I would love to see the reason Nightwing was there was because he was hunting down Harley Quinn. That's like yes. if that happened, then that would be just badass. Badass. But then again, you know, there's a whole load. There's a, a, a like Batman has a rogues gallery that's longer than anyone's. So <laughs> you know, there's like so many different characters. I mean, even like even seeing like Captain James Gordon come round to aid, like the you know the this the the Starlin City Police would be something that would be quite interesting. And and it's not even the fact that because we've seen Harley Quinn and heard Harley Quinn. Uh, in the episode that we'll be talking about later on, sure. uh, is is the fact that you know it's now we know she's she exists in the universe. The Joker now exists, so Batman now exists. So mm-hmm. it's like just that one hint has now had a domino effect, and now we know that all these other characters now exist in this world. So right now, while we're watching Arrow, we know for a fact that Batman's kicking ass in Gotham somewhere, you know. And it's like just that knowledge that <laughs> you see Batman. Just that knowledge just makes me get so immersed into the universe now that I know that all of that side of the D, like all the Batman side of the DC has been confirmed through one minor character. I was just like, what? So and it was, it was a genius voice casting. Uh, we'll, we'll just do it just now, right? Everybody has obviously seen the episode. The voice casting was from Tara Strong, who did Harley Quinn in the Teen Titans cartoon and also in the Arkham game. So it was just perfect. It's brilliant, man. I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll probably talk a wee bit more about it, but yeah, it was, it was Tara Strong, and wow, it was just like, I mean, everyone that knows Batman and, and knows and has grown up with Harley Quinn through the animated series, when I heard that voice, I just leapt off my couch and screamed <laughs> in, like, joy. I was like, oh my god, that's all I needed to know. See if I don't see Harley Quinn again in the Arrow TV show for the mm. next, like, three, three seasons, I wouldn't care. You know, just having that yeah. sort of acknowledgement was enough for any fanboy to just be like yes harley quinn links into batman batman's in the arrow universe no matter what yes (laughs) (laughs) awesome so that's all of our news for this week um should we do questions just now ross i think we should I i think we should give these questions another roll again okay so we've got uh we'll do a couple of questions now and a couple of questions after the interview that sound good. Yep. Um, so our first question is from Mr. Chris Parker, regular listener. Um, with Birds of Prey being the next week's episode, uh, which it is obviously, which other DC heroines or villains, female, would you like to see in Arrow? Hmm. Poison Ivy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> I would say Catwoman, but Catwoman's too close to Batman to really be kind. I mean, obviously, we've just said that. Uh, after saying that Nightwing should be a, should appear, however, I think Catwoman is just. I, I mean, I, I would prefer to see Poison Ivy. I think I think a Poison Ivy one would be good. Would be a good villain for the Birds of Prey to go up against, considering that Poison Ivy does actually help out the Birds of Prey in the comic books. So, uh, yeah, I, I would go for Poison Ivy. I, I think that would be an interesting one to go for uh, oh, in Arrow. 
Oh yeah, I'd, I'd agree completely with that one. So the next question is from Mr. Andrew Davis, another listener. Um, he, he asks, what do you think the relationship between Amanda Waller and Slade Wilson has been since she knew all about uh, Oliver Killam or Oliver Killam, such and such? I had this conversation hmm. last night as well, and yeah. it's, it's a good one because obviously, uh, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of questions to be asked considering the fact that we didn't even know that Amanda mm. Waller was on Oliver on, on Oliver's list anyway. Yeah, and the fact so, that she knew that he she knew he'd killed Slade. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, does that mean that does Amanda Waller know about Oliver's island. time on the island? Yeah, was, was she, she there? on the island? You know, did she maybe maybe she uh, extracted all of, not not yeah. extracted Oliver, but extracted some other people from the island and noticed that Oliver was there? Yeah. I, you know, it opened up a massive, like a load of questions. Like, but it was done so sort of like quietly that it was only until after the episode I realised. I was like, wait, hang on a minute, what? Huh. They knew each other, yeah. but yeah, after that episode with Amanda Waller, I'd, I'd, uh, it's, um... it was another one of your times, Ross, where I, uh, Ollie hasn't told the audience the full story. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah exactly. I just it, it did sort of just, and he showed up as if he was just going for a coffee. You know, I know. Yeah. He... <laughs> at first I was kind of like man I've really missed out on something in season one I didn't know Amanda Waller was on the list and then I kind of sat there going wait hang on a minute no she wasn't I would have known that and I was like I'm so confused and <laughs> but... it seemed to have a sort of like she said am I still a target sort of thing for you we'll talk about that much later though but um, the relationship I think for that question we'll have to discuss during our episode discussion um, definitely but we'll move on, we'll move on. We've got a busy show tonight. Mega show, bumper show, as Ross called. It comes with a free refresher bar like your Beano if you were from Scotland. And you, oh. Remember you got the refresher bar, the mini win. It was just a major day. Bash uh, Street I, Kids for the win. Bash <laughs> Street Kids. Roger the Dodger. Anyway, we'll move on and uh, we'll get into our uh, first comic review this week because it's a bumper show. We've got two. And it was The Wonder Year. Uh, Ross, The Wonder Year. It was good. It, it really was. Um... It was obviously by the awesome, fantastic, and honourable Mike Grill. Mm -hmm. Uh, This guy is literally is Green Arrow. That's pretty much what I've come up to to expect. You know, like he he really did nurture and change this character to the uh, the character that we now see uh, in terms of the um, of the TV show and the comic books, uh, specifically the Hood is the main one. So obviously, Green Arrow, the Wonder Year. I think it was written in it was written in the early nineties. And it was pretty much sort of like you know how we have you had Frank Miller's um, Frank Miller's uh, Batman Year One. Well, the Wonder Year was pretty much Green Arrow Year One. Like, yeah. but before this was before Andy Diggle came on and did the, the year proper <laughs> Year One version. This was um, Mike Grell's take on what happened, and it kind of it it sort of after establishing uh, a realistic and gritty uh, hero. You know, in, in a sort of, you know, like badass world in Seattle uh, through his longbow hunters idea. We sort of got a chance to sort of backtrack. I think it was a couple of years before that. So we got to backtrack to see how Mike Grill saw uh, Green Arrow, uh, up, you know, through his year one. And it was it was good. I mean, I, I really I really enjoyed it. Uh, as we were discussing before we went on air tonight, um, it did. It is outdated. Um I mean, the art style itself is fantastic. It really is. And Mike Grell's art style is just, like, something else. And I love that sort of free-flowing pencil idea that he has going on. Uh, however, the... the th- <laughs> It's like the themes and the politics still apply to today's society, but the way they're presented 
feels outdated. Does that make sense? Or, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally yeah does. It's kind of like like the characters and the names that that are appear. Um, like it it really does well to uh, to portray Green Arrow as the socialist political activist that we've all known and grown to love, uh, which we which I hope the listeners have sort of had an idea of by uh, following our reading list. Uh, you know, compared to Batman, who is literally just out there for vengeance on his parents, you know, Green Arrow's out there to try and change the world, uh, so to speak. And this, uh, uh, you know, the the Wonder Year manages to sort of encompass that like, in his origins, and you sort of see why and how he became Green Arrow. Maybe not how he became, but why he became. You saw, like, the issues that bothered him and... And and the politics of both of them, and and why he wanted to change things. Like, as I said, like rather than being Batman, he was out to sort of you know bring justice down onto Gotham and clean up the streets. Whereas, uh, I f- I felt like Oliver in uh, Green Arrow Wonder Year wanted to change things for the better in in the sense that like he wasn't the fil- the fil- fil- philanthropist that um, mm-hmm. yeah. that that Bruce Wayne was at that time. Uh, he was trying to uh, he, he was trying to politically and socially change Star yeah. City, and it was just it was a, it was mm-hmm. it's quite sort of like I mean like there's not a lot of like crazy action involved. Well, there are a couple of scenes that are crazy action, but the majority of it is Oliver Queen dealing with uh, politicians, and you start slowly mm. seeing how Oliver Queen became this sort of like this left wing socialist. Uh, through his dealings with sort of like your generic 70s politicians, like sort of like the Nixons, like well, there's like people that are sort of portrayed as like the Nixons of, of America at that time. And, you know, it is one, as I said, it is outdated. If you if you don't really know the politics of back in sort of the Cold War era, you might not understand a wee bit about it. However, uh, you still do get this sort of political, social idea of the Wonder Year. But I mean, like over four parts, you know, Mike Grell did really show us how Green Arrow began and uh, you know, he, I mean, like, he didn't, he sort of failed to make everything clear as to what was going on in terms of, like, uh, around Star City. But at the end of the day, though, the focus was Green Arrow, and that was what Green Arrow was supposed to be about. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was good. I mean, it is, it, it's, it's one to read. It's not, in my opinion, it's not an, a, a definitive read, but it's one, if you want to expand and find out why Green Arrow is different from Batman, I would definitely read The Wonder Year. That's sort of what I would come through to. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like everything Ross has said, I couldn't say much more. It was a, it's a nice read, but it is dated. Unless you're a Green Arrow fan, I wouldn't really advise picking it up. As it's definitely not a stage one for somebody these days. But as somebody, if you've been reading along with the show and you pick up The Wonder Year, uh, you'll definitely enjoy it. Uh, how can you not enjoy Mike Grell, man? How can you not? But it is very set during the era. It was written for the era, the time that yeah. it was written in, rather than a timeless piece like The Longbow Hunters, like Year One. It, it's very much of a statement for the time it was written. Yeah, it, that's a uh, 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 more, com- uh, that's more like too long didn't read sort of idea there yeah it, it really is it's it's one where like you would you would pick up on the fly just to sort of find out like flesh mm. out the character you might have grown to love through reading other 
uh, other definitive novels. But at the end of the day, though, if you love Mike Grell's uh, artwork, which I don't understand why you wouldn't, yeah. uh, you would you would revisit one day or just to look at his artwork and just look at the wonderful pencil strokes that happens and oh, yeah. and everything. And it, it'd be so good if we had him in the show at some point. But I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it's just like. I mean, yeah, it, that that's that's its 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 own enemy in the fact that it's um it's outdated, you know. Like if yeah. if if we'd reviewed this back in like the late eighties, early nineties, oh yeah, it, we'd be like, this is the best thing that that we've ever seen. But now with the way that the world has changed, the only reason that I would tell people to read the Wonder Year is just to to flesh out why Green yeah. Arrow has become who he's become, and even then there's probably other books out there that could do the same idea but in a more modern setting but still yeah. it, it is it's worth to read if it's a worthwhile piece of history aye uh, if if you're sort of struggling to find any green arrow material this is the one for you to mm. sort of pick yourself back up from yeah so uh we'll end the discussion there because we've got a, a very eager guest i think has just pulled up outside the studio ross but how many arrows out of your quiver of five. I don't know why we only get five, but five seems enough for us. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, five. I'd, 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 give, I'd give the one to year four. Four? four. Yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, four arrows out of five. It's definitely worth picking up. And this is a Green Arrow show, and we're basing it on Green Arrow, so four out of five, and you, you'll enjoy it if you're a fan. You will really enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, that was our comic book discussion. Another comic book's coming up later, and if you're listening to this and you want to pause the show to go and read, we are going to be covering the Suicide Squad New 52 Volume 1, which is issues 1 to 7, I believe, um, that's coming up. So, um, yes, we don't really want to keep our guests waiting, Ross, I don't think so. Um, we'll make the show do a bit more welcome. Um, Ro- I've got cigars here. Ross, why don't you go and get some drinks? Ross, yeah, we'll do, but uh, okay. just make, sh- make sure we don't start the interview until I get No, oh, I won't start it without you. Trust me, trust me. Good trust stuff. Me. Okay. All right, cool stuff. Right, I'll head off and right. get the drinks. Okay, bye, man. Okay, so Ross will be back with the drink soon, but let's get this started. Tonight, Starling City, we have a very special guest joining us. Part of the Green Arrow Hall of Fame, if you will. Writer and artist of the Longbow Hunters. Of course, it is the one, the only, Mike Grell. Good evening, Mr. Grell. Thank you for joining us, and how are you? I'm just fine. Please make it Mike. <laughs> no problem. Mike it is. So, Mike, uh, looking at your upcoming appearances this year, would it be fair to say that conventions are something that you like to do? I very much. I, I like to get out and uh, um, see all the all the different fans in all different parts of the country and all parts of the world. As a matter of fact, I'm really looking forward to an upcoming European tour that I'll be doing uh, later this month. Uh, London Super Comic Con. From there, we're going to uh, Paris, Germany, um, the Netherlands, and finally back home. Sounds like an amazing lifestyle getting to see all these places. It can get a little hectic from time to time. Mm. Um, uh, one year, I was on the road so many days. I, I finally counted my calendar at the end of the year, and uh, I was on tour uh, doing conventions for 168 days during that year. That was oh. um, the year that uh, John Sable Freelance premiered. And sure. it got to the point where I was uh, sitting on a dais with about a dozen other people, and all of a sudden I realized that I had no idea where I was. <laughs> Literally, not a clue. And it took, it took uh, uh, about 10 minutes for me to figure out uh, exactly what was going on. I, I ran down a, 
uh, a sort of a checklist. I, I looked around. It didn't recognize the room, so I knew it couldn't be uh, Chicago or San Diego. I was too familiar with those. Um, yeah. There was no East Coast accent, so it wasn't in New York. Uh, in fact, there was no Southern accent, so it couldn't be in Texas. <laughs> I, finally, I finally decided I had to be somewhere in the Midwest, and um, uh, my brain settled on Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Well, no, I wasn't. I was actually I was actually 70 miles from home, and I had driven down the night before. So uh, the next year I did two conventions. <laughs> these, these days, I, these days I do a few more. Uh, usually about one a month. So, so there's barely a book or a character that you you haven't written. Um, which part or parts of your career, in particular, stand out most for yourself? I I think the the, the tops in my career were probably uh, well the creation of the Warlord, um, sure, and the Longbow Hunters, uh, along with uh, having the great good fortune to have been in the office the day Denny O'Neill announced that he was going to resurrect Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and I went straight to his office and said, who do I have to kill? <laughs> and he said, if you want the job that bad, you've got it. And that was a, that was a real thrill for me. So, um, which Green Arrow artist and writer, apart from yourself, are your favorites? I'd, I'd have to say the, the team-up of Neil Adams and Dick Giordano. Uh, <laughs> there was a, it was their artwork on the Green Lantern, Green Arrow book that got me interested in getting into comics in the first place. Excellent. Okay, so um, my favourite Green Arrow cover is uh, issue 50, with Oliver looking into the lake and you can see his reflection, which of course was done by yourself. So, which Green Arrow cover is your favourite? Well, it, it used to be, uh, I think it was issue number 43 of Green Arrow. Mm -hmm. Um that had the Indian with the headdress on it, mm. and uh, the only uh, appearance that uh, Green Arrow made was that, that he was holding an arrow in his hand with a, a piece of green ribbon or, or string wrapped around a green cord. Um, but then later on I did a, uh, a cover that had uh, a skull sitting on a, a curb in toxic rain with an arrow through the eye socket, and... Uh, my editor, Mike Gold, said that he always thought that that was probably the quintessential Mike Grell cover uh, yeah. because it it, uh, it had all the elements, you know, the arrow through the eye socket yeah. and uh, Green Arrow, the hero, never appeared on any of the covers at all, or on that, on that cover at all. Um, yeah. But outside of outside of the Green Arrow covers, I think my, my favorite uh, cover that I've done is... Um, I'll, I'll put it at two. Uh, for the last uh, release of The Warlord, uh, issue number seven, I think, came out very well. But my favorite of, of that whole batch is issue number 12, the issue mm. where I killed him off. Yeah. And I have uh, uh, a, a painting of uh, the Warlord on his old war horse wandering off into the sunset. Not that the sun sets in Scartaris, but <laughs> sort of symbolic. And... Um, it was uh, my my tribute, I suppose, to the Western movie Shane, which was uh, just a, a great story. You know, the yeah. reason why Shane doesn't come back, and that's because Shane's dead. 
and yeah. in the warlord, I I killed him off, and I even burned the body. <laughs> so, having one of the most impressive back catalogs of any comic writer or artist, who is your favorite character that you have ever written? I think I think my favorite character that I've created uh, among my creations uh, would have to be Sable. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got he's got all the elements. I've, I've put a lot of time and and years and miles uh, in with this guy, and uh, uh, it was sort of a, a culmination of uh, all of my efforts. Uh, sure. But my my favorite comic book character to this day is still Green Arrow. Yeah, I have to agree. Green Arrow is my favourite DC character, along with Nightwing. I have to say Nightwing too. Um, when you did the Longbow Hunters, you took Green Arrow out of the fantastical DC super being filled world, and you grounded him in reality. Uh, was there any thoughts about how this eventually went on to influence uh, TV and the movie comic versions of superheroes? Um, and what are your thoughts on how it's affected them? I. I wasn't really thinking about uh, um, impact on motion pictures or television in any way, shape, or form at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was mostly interested in changing the character uh, around um, a bit and making him fit better into the real world. Sure. One of the things that I thought was foolish was uh, all the trick arrows. The, the boxing glove arrow, I suppose, has its its moments, but uh, things like the lock picker arrow and the boomerang arrow, especially, yeah. what a stupid idea! <laughs> you know, if, you, <laughs> yeah. if you miss your target, guess what? Your your arrow is going to come back at you. I don't know if you ever threw a boomerang when you were a kid, but I did, and it came back and almost took my head off. It was yeah. not a fun experience. Um, but I was, I was trying uh, very strongly to bring Green Arrow into the real world, to bring uh, Oliver Queen into uh, a world of um, actual events. I, I was uh, trying to deal with uh, stories that that were actually featured in the news. Um, in many cases, um, I wanted to. I wanted to uh, get rid of the, the bug-eyed monsters, no space, no superpowers, no, um, no. well, I suppose I can't say no fantasy, because the idea of a guy running around with a bow and arrow uh, in a city is, is certainly fantasy. But beyond that, I wanted to do real-world stories in a real-world setting, which is why I moved him from Star City uh, to Seattle. Sure. Um, and why I chose Seattle, of course, was that I was living in Seattle at the time. And uh, being a, a small-town boy from a very small town in northern Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've only lived in three cities in my life, uh, Chicago, New York, and Seattle. So you write what you know. I had already done New York with Sable, and I had uh, no interest in doing Chicago. Um <coughs> It's uh, it's too landlocked. Uh, it, it may be a, a thriving international city, but only just technically because it's got an international airport. Um, the surrounds um, are are pretty boring. You know, you, it, yeah. the land is flat. You can't get on in the wilderness um, in Seattle, of course. 
you have everything within easy reach. You can drive an hour in, in any direction and be in the mountains, uh, be on the ocean. You could be uh, um, in the high desert uh, over, over the top over the uh, Cascade Mountains, and mm-hmm. uh, it has that international flavor to it. Being close to Canada, close to sure. Vancouver, and uh, having uh, as, as much of an international population base uh, as, as is required. So it was it was uh, a no-brainer for me. <laughs> Saying that, um, what about setting a Green Arrow um, storyline in Scotland? That would that would be quite interesting for for us over here, especially. No, <laughs> you know I have always wanted to visit Scotland. Um, sure. I, I got I got to do my my um, momentary stint for Scotland with Maggie the cat. Uh, <laughs> Maggie the cat is uh, uh, a cat burglar who's uh, she was a, a model married to a near do uh British lord who uh, had the great bad manners to get himself killed in a car wreck with his latest mistress, he left her penniless, and the only thing that she has left is uh, a ramshackle castle on a Scottish estate that she's very slowly but surely restoring one room at a time. Um, unfortunately, the book didn't last long enough to mm-hmm. uh, pay Scotland fair tribute, but uh, I've always always wanted to visit, and I'd, I'd love to do it uh, sometime in the not too far distant future. <laughs> you need to um, look us up when you come over. Uh, what about comics uh, themselves draw you towards them rather than other forms of visual media? Oh, I love comic books. Always did when I was a kid. Um, in point of fact, I didn't start out to get into comic books. I wanted to uh, do comic strips. Mm-hmm. Um, that was always a a, a big event around the house. Sunday newspapers, uh, reading the Sunday comic strips. Um, even when I was just a little guy, before I could read, my dad used to read the comic strips to us in the daily paper. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I always remembered that. I liked the the idea of being able to reach so many people uh, every day. And uh, I haven't quite given up on the idea of maybe someday I will actually uh, do another comic strip. My first job in as a cartoonist was actually doing the Brenda Starr comic strip. Um, yeah. I was assisting Dale Messick on on that uh, comic strip in uh, 1971 and 72. And um, I used to draw everything except Brenda's face. Dale would draw the face and I would draw the bodies and, and backgrounds and stuff like that. And uh, I decided right then and there that when I finally write my personal memoirs, it's going to be entitled Doing Brenda's Body. <laughs> I, I think I've got a million seller with the title alone. You know, even yeah. the rest of the book uh, isn't, isn't up to the, the promise of the title, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got it locked there. Oh, it sounds, sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then uh, later on I got to do the uh, Tarzan comic strip in the Sunday papers, and that was quite a thrill. I've always been a big Edgar Rice Burroughs fan, Tarzan fan, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, that's probably the most fun I ever had uh, in comics, um, because uh, 
when I was doing the color guide for the very first Sunday page, I got so excited I started to hyperventilate. <laughs> and then I started to laugh, and then I just had to go lie down <laughs> and let it all pass. So have you kept up with uh, Green Arrow? And if you have, what do you think of the new 52 version? Honestly, I have not kept up with them. Um, sure. And the, the reason is real simple. They took me off their comp list, and after 40 years, I'm, I'm not going to start paying for comic books. <laughs> if, they, if they want me to read it, they better send it to me for free. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair play. Uh, is there a DC character you haven't written that you would have liked to? Oh boy, you know, I always said that one day I would like to be a good enough artist to do Superman. Um, but following on the heels of Kurt Swan in the 70s, uh, that, was a, that was a hopeless case. Um, it would take somebody with more confidence than me to mm-hmm. tackle a book like that. Um, the um, the other characters that I that I do like over at, at DC that I, I haven't really had a chance to do, um, Jonah Hex would be very interesting. Yeah, uh, I could have uh, a lot of fun with that character. Um, I had a I had a brief stint on the Blackhawks, and uh, I thought that was that was a lot of fun. Wouldn't mind going back to that again. Sure. But as far as uh, uh, dream characters to work on, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd still love to have a chance at Captain America. Now, Captain that's America. not DC, and that may be traitorous of me. But, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've got a, I've got a rip, roaring, high action, interesting adventure story for Captain America that I'm just sitting on, and eventually maybe I'll get a chance to write it. Now, is there a Green Arrow story that you still have to tell that you would like to? Uh, yes, uh, very much so. Um, there, there are a couple of them that that still need to be told, um, including um, uh, uh, well, actually, I had a, a pitch in for a new Shadow series. Oh. Uh, Shadow being the Lady Archer in uh, Longbow Hunters, mm-hmm. and we ran a follow of the new Arrow television series with that. Uh, apparently, they didn't want to. Uh, conflict with what was going on on the TV series. I thought was it was it was okay, but they they missed a couple of things, uh, including the fact that Shadow is Japanese, and uh, obviously yeah. the characters on the series are are Chinese. Yeah. Um, it's it's not a, a terrible bad thing, but it could be embarrassing. Uh, Americans in particular have a tendency to lump uh, certain certain people, ethnic groups, into one single ethnic group. Um, they, they, they don't seem to understand the difference between Japanese, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, whatever. Um, it's... Uh, and I know it's difficult casting when mm-hmm. when you're looking for someone of a, a particular ethnicity, but um, I think at at the worst they're in danger of being accused of not being able to tell the difference between Japanese and Chinese. Yeah, her name is Japanese. <laughs> uh, origin is is Japanese. And don't mind I don't mind the the change of origin as much mm-hmm. as that little 
ethnic conflict that I see every time I see her on TV. One of your other characters, Eddie Fires, is also on Arrow. What are your thoughts on his on-screen version? Right. Well, I I, I kind of like what they did with Eddie Fires. Um, he was he was uh, actually based on Archie Goodwin, the mm-hmm. famous writer and editor at the time. Archie was a great old friend, and uh, I asked him. I had his permission to use his likeness. Uh, for the character, Archie was um, surprisingly athletic, and I say uh, surprising because um, you'd be standing there having a conversation with him, and suddenly he'd just fall flat on his face, catches him, catch himself in a push-up position, and uh, do a couple of push-ups, and then snap right back up, upright, mm-hmm. and continue on with the conversation. <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was a surprise to a lot of people when he'd do that. But the, the 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 take that I had with Eddie Fires was that physically he was uh, rather unimposing, uh, but when it came down to the deadly business at hand, he was uh, a serious contender that he had to watch out for. He started sure. off as rather a bad guy and later became an ally, yeah. sort of uh, friends in the trenches. So, um, with regards to Arrow now being on TV, what's it like to see your work basically being adapted on screen? It's a kick in the pants. It's, <laughs> it's great. Uh, I I was very pleased to see the the similarities in in the character. Um, I'm I'm uh, I think rather justifiably proud of the fact that ever since the Longbow Hunters. Green Arrow's been wearing a hood. Um, you know, I, I pretty much uh, changed the look of the character and, and established a new uh, a new take on uh, how he was going to be portrayed. And uh, considering that that the character himself has been around since uh, the 1940s, in 1941, I think it was, yeah. um, to be able to uh, make a change that became part and parcel of uh, the iconography um, I, I'm quite proud of that my uh, niece phoned me up when uh, the pilot episode aired and she said uh, Uncle Mike you're famous <laughs> and I said maybe I've been famous for 40 years you just never noticed <laughs> and she said so did they have to pay you to use the name because they named one of the characters one of the villains that they talk about is Judge Grell, yeah. uh, some sort of uh, corrupt judge that, <laughs> that they talk about from time to time. And uh, I said, uh, if you mean, am I going to die and make you rich? The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> so she had no idea. Know, but I, I actually did uh, do the, the Wanted poster that's yeah. featured on, on uh, most of the episodes. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so have you been asked to do any more work for the TV show other than those police sketches? Uh, I wish it, it, yeah. a lot of the um, a lot of the problem with trying to do more on a show like that is that it's uh, produced in Canada mm. under uh, Canadian Film Board uh, rules and regulations, and um, in order to qualify for the subsidies that they get and the tax breaks that they get, uh, they can only have a certain number of people who are not 
either Canadian or Brit on the show. Right. That's why all the actors, okay, not all the actors, but most of the most of the actors are um, uh, either uh, Canadians or what I suppose you'd call the old British Commonwealth. <laughs> There's uh, Brits, Canadians, uh, Australians, you know, um, any, anybody who has ever uh, associated under the banner of the British Commonwealth uh, can appear and uh, take part in their writing staff and so on and so forth. But yeah. um, the the more non-Canadian, non-Brit non characters that you have uh, associated with the series itself, um, the more in danger they are in of losing their subsidy. So are you a watcher of Arrow then? Um, do you enjoy watching it on TV? Oh yes, uh, yeah. I'm a little behind, but um, uh, I like it quite a lot. So what do you think about Stephen Amell as Arrow? I, I think he's absolutely perfect for the role. Uh, it, it's definitely going to be a star-making role for him. Uh, I, when I when I look at him on screen, I see the same thing that I saw with George Clooney uh, when when Clooney uh, made the jump to the big screen, mm -hmm. which is that the camera really likes this guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He's he's got a he's got a, uh, an interesting, unique look about him. He's he, okay. He is a pretty face, but he's not just another pretty face. He's got yep. the distinctive. Uh, features that that set him apart from uh, the other people on the show and uh, set him apart from the the, the standard sort of uh, pretty boy twenty something guys that we're used to seeing in so many movies these days. Yeah. Um, and he's got some serious acting chops, which is great. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Arrow is going to be a springboard for him to a much much larger career. Oh, Ten years from now, he's going to be major box office in, in films. Oh, I agree with you there. Stephen Amos fantastic. So, um, you recently revisited Stephen Amos Oliver in the CW Arrow digital comic. How was that for you, and was it a challenge for you? Oh, it was. It was great getting back uh, to work on the guy. Uh, like I said, the Green Arrow has always been my favorite character. Um, mm -hmm. It was also a bit of a challenge because, uh, um. The, the continuity was so tightly connected to what was going on in the television series sure. that uh, it, it became uh, a bit difficult. And plus, uh, it was being written by the, the staff that wrote the television series, mm. um, which editorially created some interesting problems because uh, a lot of times the, the story didn't quite make sense unless you had seen all the episodes yeah. and also uh, because they were used to writing for television there were a lot of um, sort of unnecessary beats in the in the storyline um, yeah. if, if there was a, a, a camera cut like um, let, let's say you have uh, two people talking or uh, uh, three people uh, on a page and, and something is going on. When you're doing a show on television, you mm -hmm. cut from face to face to face to face. But yeah. in a comic, all you're doing is wasting space that could be better used for action shots. 
And so when I'd get a script in, I would go through and sort of re-edit um, and condense those uh, cross-cutting shots, those those little reaction shots, um, eliminate the, the reaction in favor of action. So yeah. that uh, when I got a, a page in that had, say, nine panels and it ended with a punch, I would condense that that nine panel page down into maybe five or six panels with a big panel for the punch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually they they seem to catch on. Sure. So as a man of many talents, do you prefer being the artist or the writer, or do you think they should be done together? Well, for me, it it actually does all sort of come at once. Um, Mm -hmm. When when I'm writing a story, I often uh, make doodles and thumbnails as I go along. Um, because I, I I think in terms of pictures, uh, mm-hmm. but I have to say that uh, these days, because the the vol how to say it, the volume of work has um, lessened, but the amount of labor that's involved hasn't really changed at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it still takes just as many hours to draw as it ever did. And uh, I think I'm a, a better, more productive writer than I am an artist these days. Your own style is very sketch-like. Um, so do you prefer using the old-fashioned pencil and paper, or do you like the new Photoshop way of doing comics? I've been forced to learn to use Photoshop, just like I've been forced to use a computer and forced to use a cell phone. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm drawing the line at Facebook. Uh, and and Twitter, you won't see me anytime soon on either one. Um, but you know, there comes a time when you have to uh, sort of surrender and allow yourself to be dragged kicking and screaming into at least the latter part of the 20th century, if not the 21st. Um, but I I still love uh, old-fashioned uh, draw with a pen and uh, pencil kind of stuff. Most of my work these days is drawn in pencil and I, I'm able to use Photoshop to enhance it and make it look as good as if it were ink. Uh, mm-hmm. But pencil has always been my favorite medium to work in. And it was part and parcel of that old-fashioned uh, kind of attitude that I have. Um, somebody asked me once uh, if I could make any change in the comic industry, what would it be? And I said, mm-hmm. we'd go back to newsprint. I miss the old comics. I miss the way they smell and the way they feel, and especially the way they fall apart if you don't take care of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the comics that are being printed today are going to be around for the next 200 years, unless something major happens. Um, but the comics that were around when I was a kid have basically fallen to dust by now, yeah. um, unless they were extremely well taken care of. Uh, just last week, a fellow brought a copy of um, the oversized Superboy in the Legion of Superheroes to be signed, and that book was barely holding together. The covers were tattered and creased and wrinkled. The pages were flaking and falling apart while I was signing it. And to my way of thinking, that's just perfect. So um, after saying that, um, are you a fan of the new digital comics that have arrived? to say I'm not. Mm. Um, I, I have uh, an app on my um, 
on my computer that allows sure. me to read them, and I don't. No. Um, you know, I, I I would much rather have something that I can hold in my hand. I do agree from a collector's point of view, being a collector myself, but uh, I do think digital books are a great um, introduction for new readers, but it definitely cannot match um, having a new book physically. Right, and the 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 new age of readers are accustomed to uh, having digital entertainment in their hands all the time. Uh, That's fine. It's good because we have to look to that next generation in order to keep the the, the tail end of this generation uh, um, with a roof over our heads and, and uh, groceries on the table. Yeah. But um, there's, a, there's something that's lost. And uh, if, you, if you take a look at the way the books are produced for digital, um, it's a lot like pan and scan in the movies when they have to alter the, the shape and the format of the, the image on screen in order to fit the format of the screen that is being viewed on. Um, it happens with, uh, with uh, digital comics. It's the only format where you can see the entire page the way it was originally intended to be is uh, on a tablet. Sure. Uh, if you if you watch it, if, or excuse me, if you if you view it on a monitor screen, the page is split across mm-hmm. the middle, and it's displayed two at a time, left and right, instead of top and bottom. And even worse, if you watch it on a um, say on an iPhone, uh, I said watch. If you read <laughs> it on an iPhone. Yeah. Uh, or um, a handheld device other than a tablet, uh, it's very much pan and scan. It, it's done individual panel by panel by panel. And so you don't get the full impact. You don't get the full visual that the artist uh, in, intended. Um, mm-hmm. Like so many different things that I've done over the years, it, it took me a while to figure out how to break all those rules. Mm-hmm. Um you know what what the rules were. Some of them are hard and fast, and but there's a certain amount of flexibility within that space that you're allowed to work with. And uh, I did my best uh, to yeah. make it interesting uh, to look at, but I, I know that it's not the same uh, once it's once it's been chopped apart by other people and reconstructed into something that fit a specific format. It's just not the same. Okay, so last question here. Um, what would your advice be to new up-and-coming artists or writers wanting to break into the industry in this day and age? Well, my advice to anybody uh, coming into this industry, uh, whether you're a writer or an artist, um, I think it's absolutely imperative that you stay up and current with the latest technology, with the latest medium Learn to do everything. Learn to learn to draw with a pen and pencil. Learn to paint. Learn to use Photoshop. Learn it. Get out there and and work with it so that um, you become a, a trendsetter rather than a trend follower. Mm-hmm. Try to stay ahead of the curve. Uh, it's what I've always tried to do, and uh, I think for the most part I was fairly successful. I tried to lead the way instead of follow because if you're just following, 
uh, you're you're always going to be playing catch up. So try to try to be the the trendsetter and let other people follow you. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you very much for popping by today, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, sir. Thanks and take care. So that was awesome. Oh, here's Ross back with the drinks. Yeah, hey, I'd, uh, where's where's our guest? Like, I, I, uh, I, I, I kind of got tied up back there, but yeah, I, I know that ice machine sticks in the studio, but um, it's, it's okay. The guest it did very very little time, so he had to leave. So you didn't miss oh, it. All right, okay. Well, at least at least it wasn't something as big as like you know Mike Grell or something like that. So that's all good. <laughs> oh, no, not at all, not at all. Okay, so moving on to the next part of the show. <coughs> uh, next part of the show. Yes. Okay. So Ross. Uh, well, ne- okay. Ne- <laughs> next guest. Uh, ne- next time I'll get the drinks. So um. <laughs> Uh, moving on, uh, we have obviously we'll, we'll do this week's arrow, I believe. <gasps> yes, arrow! Oh my god, it was so good. We had the episode. Was it sixteen? Sixteen. Yes, episode sixteen. The Suicide Squad. It's like Damn. the most anticipated episode, like of this half of the season. Mm. Uh, obviously, the latter half we had the whole Grant Gustin Flash okay. thing, but this is like the latter half's version. Is the Suicide Squad. We covered the Suicide Squad a few episodes ago. I'm kind of gutted that we did cover it back then. This would have been the time to do it. That was my bad. Yes. <laughs> but, but still, uh, we covered the Suicide Squad, so hopefully you listeners should be well in tuned for the Suicide Squad. So when you actually watch the episode, you would have actually known more about the Suicide Squad to enjoy it as much ah, as you possibly could. I like so, that. I like that. <laughs> you know, we, we were there to help you beforehand. But yes... The Suicide Squad was announced, and it was unveiled, and man, it was an awesome episode. I mean, <laughs> like, it just it just goes to show that Arrow doesn't have to rely on Oliver mm. and his wee cohorts. It's, it, it still has such a sort of B-list, C-list uh, supporting cast that it can still pull out an episode for. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, Diggle's still in like the main group and he was the anchor or the sort of the reference point for the audience but out with Diggle like how Deadshot acted how um, Bronze Tiger sort of kind of acted, he didn't really do much anyway and how Amanda Waller acted was just unbelievable and it it was just proof to the fact that like there's a lot of TV shows out there that that base their um, uh, a lot of their um, episodes around uh, their main characters and the moment their main characters have to take a break and they bring in their sub-characters, it falls flat in the face. Arrow is, in the, is the, probably one of the only exceptions where their sort of like sub-characters could come in and still pull off a performance and have an awesome, awesome episode. And with the Suicide Squad, there was like two kind of stories kicking about. I mean, you could probably separate it twice. The first story was obviously Oliver is now becoming this paranoid wreck uh, because Slade Wilson has literally ruffled his feathers and uh, he's now, like, not sleeping, he's not eating, he's not doing anything at all. He's just completely and utterly, like, paranoid that Slade is going to come down and kill him at some point or kill his uh, friends, which is understandable, to be honest. I'm not going to call, I'm not going to call out Ollie in that one because I would be exactly the same thing. In all honesty, if it was me, I would have fled Stalin City by now. But but still... (laughs) You, you kind of have him, he's, he's trying to figure out what Slade is up to. He sees some more of his mafia ties. I kind of wish that me, that we get a, a sort of mafia-centric episode, another mafia-centric episode at some point to sort of learn a wee bit more about to, about why and how he became part of the uh, uh, the mafia, uh, the Russian mafia, that is. And um, 
but yeah, uh, so we had him sort of going around. He's trying to like suss out where Slade Wilson is. Um, and then the other, uh, pretty much the other 90% of the episode was focused around John Diggle and uh, his epic um, mission with the Suicide Squad. Now, it opened up in an awesome way where uh, he met up with his ex-wife again. It was all good and everything was fine. And Amanda Waller was there. He, she was like, oh, we need you to come with us. And he's like, oh, you have to go on duty. She's like, no, they're both of you. And I was like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> and then he gets taken to Argus, which we discussed a couple of episodes ago as well. Uh, taken down to Argus to see um, everyone. In, I'm assuming it's Bell Rev Prison. Yeah. Um, if it's not Bell Rev Prison, then I don't know where it was. But anyway, I'm pretty sure it's Bell Rev Prison. It's not and, Bell Reef. Uh, or Bell Reeve or Bell Rev. <laughs> I'm not going to do an Andy on you, don't You know, Bell, Bell Rev, actually, it says it, it, you, you could rap to Bell Rev than Bell Reeve. You know, that's, that's gonna... the way I look at it. I'm not Do doing I... another rap tonight. You don't know. Do you dig the dig? No. Yeah. I, I, I actually had someone auto-tune it. It was so hilarious. Anyway, um, so, so yeah, they, they, I'm pretty sure they get taken to Bell Rev Prison where you get introduced to Task Force X. Now, Task Force X is, was obviously the Suicide Squad's official name in the comic books and the original name. And then Deadshot just comes out and goes, ha, more like the Suicide Squad. And I just, I looked at Deadshot and I thought, you know what, this guy needs more screen time. Yeah. This guy is literally the greatest character out with, <laughs> out with the nucleus of, um, of, of Team Arrow. That's my next favourite person. Really? Do you not think the actor kind of his his face kind of reminded me of Peter Petrelli from Heroes? You know that guy. I, I see where you're coming from, but I no, he's he's got more acting tropes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, the fact that there's so much unanswered about Deadshot. That's what that's what I loved about about uh, about Deadshot in Suicide Squad was purely because you had Zoe. You know, you had like what well, what happened to Zoe? Why is he still kicking about with that? You know, what what why does uh, obviously it's, it's her daughter anyway? But at the end of the day, though, like there's a whole lot of backstory. To Deadshot, I'm sitting there kind of going, oh, I know Arrow will never explore it, but oh my god, it'd be so good if there's a spin-off where we explored as to how and why Deadshot became who he was, sort of idea. Yeah. Like, in more in-depth than what was, like, sort of briefly seen in season one. Yeah. Especially now, considering he's now with the Suicide Squad. So, we had Deadshot, and he was sort of, like, the... Um, the anchor to the team out with John Diggle. Like if, if you excluded John Diggle, it was obvious that Deadshot was seemed to have been the um the leader. Un, yeah, the the sort of yeah unwanted leader, which is sort of harks back to our new fifty two discussion we'll have mm. as well. Um but yeah, the the acting uh, was absolutely brilliant. I did not expect the acting to be so good and and uh, obviously we'll bring it now down to Shrapnel Shrapnel did sort of end quite <laughs> quite swiftly. Um, which opens up <laughs> another space, which opens up another space in the suit. If they do, obviously we've been told that the Suicide Squad will make another appearance within Arrow this season. Um, I'm pretty sure the producers did say that. Um, so that means that, does that mean there's going to be a, ro- a spot to fill? Who could fill that, that spot? Uh, we all, well, Ali has some some uh, suspicions as to who could fill it in. I have my own suspicions. We don't agree with each other, but still, you know, I'm pretty sure that whoever they're going to fill in that ro- that spot will be will be as awesome as what's happening so far. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, like the 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 episode itself was just really good. It was self-contained. There was no useless 
like you know enemy of the week sort of idea okay the whole sort of um uh drone missile strike was a bit like maybe too far-fetched for tell Arrow. me you haven't seen something like that in die hard though you know exactly that's the thing mm-hmm. though is that but i said this is me like intentionally trying to nitpick rather than right. nitpicking because i want to um it, it really was like a fun-filled action-packed episode and it kept me on my seat at, at every single like turning point and like you know wherever they were going and, and the fact that they managed to interweave diggle's backstory with the present time as well was quite was quite cool and uh yeah it just i don't know i mean like I've I've been kind of blabbering on now for a couple of minutes, like pretty much repeating myself in different words. So, what did you think of the uh, the episode, Ali? Well, basically, I thought it was a chance uh, to show that Arrow is not a show that relies on its main star, Green Arrow. This show was taken up by secondary characters and characters that you've only seen brief glimpses of. I know Deadshot was in an episode before, and obviously Bronze Tiger was in a couple, but. Um, it showed you that Arrow has put on a show that you only see Ollie basically sitting at a bar moaning, more or less. Okay, he pulls a couple of guns and blah, 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 blah. But I, I love this show for the fact that it can... Like, imagine Smallville uh, did do a couple episodes about Clark and that they sucked. They're the ones that you can skip. But, I mean, like, no other TV show that I can think of could pull away its main cast and show a secondary cast. Imagine making a TV show out of a secondary cast, Ross. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not just trying to throw any names out there, but maybe Marvel done something similar. Well, I mean, yeah, but (laughs) see, the difference is between, like, shows that that just uh, solely rely on secondary cast members is the fact that at least Arrow does have sort of primary cast members that it it, it can utilise, and it feels like Arrow has a more... uh, uh, a, a, a sort of larger pool of characters to draw from, whereas uh, certain shows seem to be um, under the influence of of uh, film studios. But obviously, you know, it could be any show that's under those influences at all. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, just just as you said, like you know, it, it it was a chance for Arrow to prove that it didn't need Arrow to still be an Arrow show, yeah. and we're we're going to get another episode back to back of. I'm, I'm assuming Birds of Prey will be along the same lines of Suicide Squad in the sense that Arrow is pretty much going to take a sort of back step to it. maybe literally in, in the sense that when he sees his sort of his current girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend going at it and his other ex-girlfriend in the middle, if, if I was if I was Oliver, I'd be like buggering off anyway. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether or not um, he actually stays in with... Um, uh, uh, with the actual main sto- sort of storyline next week, but at the end of the day, though, I, again, like you know, that could be two back-to-back episodes we've had with, without a lot of Ollie, Roy, and Felicity going on. And yeah. again, it was it was just as exciting as if Ollie was there. Anyway, oh, it was so, even even more so than some of yeah. Ollie's episodes. But I felt that watching it, it was that good that it felt like you were watching the first episode of the Suicide Squad on TV. Yeah, that that's another thing as well. It's like if that's the way. Right. Obviously, that wasn't a backdoor pilot because there's not been any official announcements of like you know a Suicide Squad spinoff. But if that's the way they could make a Suicide Squad feel like a pilot episode, then bloody hell, that backdoor pilot of the Flash would have just been would have blown my socks off. Obviously, we're going to get to see the full pilot now. But Christ, if that's what they call a sort of like introduction to like a team without being a pilot, then what the hell were they going to do with Flash? (laughs) Oh, I think Ross's head would have exploded in Starling City Radio would have been off the air for quite a while you know yeah, <laughs> but, I'm, not even, I'm not even gonna deny that fact i would have just been speechless i would have come on and just been like 
there's this there's nothing for me to say. <laughs> it's like everything was done. I approve. Ah, <laughs> uh, but no, it was good, and and they had they had quite a good um a good few uh. Um, uh, uh, hints, not not really hints, but sort of like references to the DC universe as well, which uh, I I absolutely love. Sort of like trolling through the episode countless times before I come on air uh, to find out what they are. And and the one the one uh, bit that I found, which um, me me and my other DC fanatic friends absolutely loved and squealed at, was the fact that Kandak was mentioned. And Kandak is basically the country that Black Adam comes from, and obviously we're not, we're, we're not going to see Black Adam, right? I, I'm, I'm uh, pretty sure. Yeah, we're not Ross, you you said several things in the very early days of Starling City Radio that you were sure of, you know? That's very true. <laughs> and you so, also said a few weeks ago, if I'd told you when we started this that you were going to see the Suicide Squad and Arrow, your mind would have been blown. So I would, I would backtrack a little. Well, bit. I'm not backtracking. Maybe I'm now saying it so that it would hap- actually happen. <laughs> so we're we're not going to see Black Adam, right? But Kandak is the country that Black Adam's from, and that's the the country that Black Adam like liberates from being under a sort of like dictatorship. Uh, so yeah, he was born in Kandak, and he was like, you know, he was the first person to gain his powers. Blah 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 blah. I'm I'm not going to get involved in the Black Adam side of stuff. But anyway. Like having Kandak there was awesome. Also having Markovia mentioned, which was a major play, which we were actually in Markovia. And if people know Count Vertigo from the comic books, Count Vertigo is the Count of Markovia. So you know that brought in that sort of countryside thing again as well. And there's a whole load of other things. It, it just it was a great thing. And obviously, this is probably the the highlight of the episode was there. There was one lovely, lovely. Oh. Uh, DC hint wasn't there a cutie uh, pie? That's right, Mister J. <laughs> <laughs> Holy uh, <yes>. shit! <laughs> Harley Quinn was formally introduced to the Arrow universe, and wow, it was just—you didn't even need to see her face. It was just you guys a... need a counselor because I'm a trained physician. Just, you just, you actually sound more of a redneck. Yeah, yeah, come down to my house and I'll give you some counselling. <laughs> See, I just don't bother doing that now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, just having Harley Quinn in there was just um, the sort of the, 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 the tenth cherry on top of a cherry filled cake. It was just awesome. It was, it was so good. Like, just, like, it was just the way it was So you think a cherry filled cake only has nine cherries? No, like on top of the like you have your cherry fill cake and then you would balance nine cherries on top of it, then this is the tenth one, so it's like Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh God. It's like a cherry cake with cherries on top. Diver <laughs> we're forgetting we're not getting into food <laughs> anyway. But yeah, just uh Harley Quinn, like yeah. man I mean, what does that like has Arrow intentionally opened the door to a lot more characters than we than we originally expected them to be able to have like in their arsenal or it depends on how you look at it because harley quinn we'll get into the new 52 suicide squad which is our second bonus comic for the week um harley quinn can survive by herself and and it's very rarely seen she's always kind of joker sidekick joker's lover joker's wife but she's She's very much her own person recently in the books, and I think that might be the route they're going down. 
that would be good. I, I would, I would not um, be annoyed at that at all. You know, I would, I would like to see this. Um, I mean, through the comic books, as we'll discuss more, that liberated individualistic Harley Quinn is far better than the, oh, yeah. the sort of you know, clinging to Joker's like legs um, Harley yes. that we're used to. Yeah. Uh, but, but still. I'm not really. It's not more about Harley Quinn herself, but if they've managed to introduce Harley Quinn, which if you think about it, that's like two levels away from Batman. If you have Batman, then the Joker, mm-hmm. then Harley Quinn, right? So does that mean that do they will they have the rights to say Nightwing? Do they have the rights to say the Riddler? You oh, know, I mean, I mean, as, as, not, we've seen man, red, red. as we've seen a red and arrow and green arrow, the Riddler has been involved. So could we see the Riddler in season three? As long as it's not Jim Carrey, then yeah. <laughs> uh, but even That'd still, I didn't like him in the comics. Like there's there's other like B-list Batman villains. Like I'd say Riddler was quite A-list Batman villain. I'd put him up there with Joker and Two-Face. E.5. Like, ha- e. like halfway, halfway between A and B, I reckon. Mm. Okay, I'll give you that. You're a more Bat fan than me, but like I would say, there's there's more B-list Batman villains that could easily make the jump before Riddler and stuff like that. I don't think we will see Two Face because obviously he was used in the movie franchise, but um... it's, it's it's not really. I mean, like I'm I'm pretty sure with the way Arrow's looking at it that I think we're going to disregard the Nolan franchise from now on. You know well, that that's yeah, Man of Steel wasn't even involved in the new Batman that's going to be appearing. Uh, um, disregards the old thing we're just seeing an older batman which i'm i'm starting to become more uncomfortable with to be honest i don't know i mean that's that that maybe that 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 chats for another day but i i see yeah. your worries like i'm a bit like uh, i don't know but it's more the fact that like i wouldn't mind seeing like mm-hmm. put it this way right perfect scenario laurel uh laurel lance is okay. um is is looking for advice as to becoming maybe like a a private um uh what's the word like a that- no, when when you like yeah, private investigator. No, uh, not not investigator. No, like a private like when when you like outsource <laughs> your skills to somebody. I can't remember the word. Um, um, I've lost. Uh, like a sort of freelance. Like it, she she becomes like a freelance advisory lawyer, and right. she tries to pick up advice from a certain Harvey Dent. Right. Uh, like okay. you wouldn't even need to see the person. You would just need to see that name written down. Like like that. That's the best thing about Arrow is that Arrow can just solidify the DC universe not by showing the person's face. All you need to do is hear a voice and see a name, and you're you're done and dusted. You know. Well, like that's true. That's that is very that's, true. It's a bit like the the pizza competition me and you've got going on. Yeah, um, but but it's also <laughs> the fact that like like Arrow. Because Arrow hasn't shown the face of Harley Quinn right now, the yeah. films can still use Harley Quinn, but will still associate the same Harley Quinn with Arrow. Uh, yeah. show, I know? don't know if the, I so, don't know if the films will. I, I I, I, the... I'm I'm just using that as an example. But say say for example like uh, uh, Bruce Wayne, we just need to see Bruce Wayne's name in a paper mm, and or then, like, enterprises or something. Yeah, yeah. It, all we need to do is see that and see the same logos they might use in the film, and then after that, that that would be the best connection you could possibly well, get. We've but, already seen the airline from Green Lantern. Mm. yeah ferris 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 yeah so i mean like it's things like that and it's just more the fact that because of managed to introduce harley quinn into their universe it just i wonder like how much leeway maybe dc are now beginning to give arrow more leeway in terms of their characters because arrow is a continuing success you know maybe we might see more a-listers you know kicking about um 
uh, or maybe being referenced or kicking about spe- specifically. I'm, I'm more saying this purely because of the Flash side of things, because Flash isn't that well known. And the rogues gallery that Flash has, a lot of them get put into the Suicide Squad pre-New 52. So it'd be interesting to see, well, well, Captain Boomerang is actually in the New 52 one. So I'm telling you, Ali, Captain Boomerang is going to show up. <laughs> then he's going to be part of the Suicide Squad when they have their own spin-off TV show. Uh. And Deadshot's going to be like, oh, I'm supposed to lead her. And, Ga- and Captain Boomerang's like, no, I am. It's going to be that sp- They're going to follow. They're going to follow kick to, kick to death. That's what they're uh. going to do. <laughs> but well, still, anyway, but I mean, like, moving on from the, the Harley Quinn sort of idea, um, the episode itself on a whole was just fantastic and it didn't move along that much in terms of the flashbacks. I didn't see any flashbacks actually. Well, we've seen Diggle flashbacks. We got a bit more of Diggle's past. Yeah, which was great. And I I, I don't know about you, Ali, but I kind of, I was a wee bit peeved off that they didn't stick to the comic book. Like, you know, the, the digital comic book. Like, yeah, the, they kind of deviated slightly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the sort of, you know, the same idea is, is still there. Like the fact that, you know, about the kids, but, I, I don't know, maybe the comic book was a bit too brutal for TV. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, imag- he, I'd imagine so. Yeah. yeah he, he, he did go sort of like super psycho. Yeah. <laughs> the comic book. So <laughs> but, but still, though, I mean, I, it, was, it, it was a good episode. And it, it was, well, when I say good, it was a great episode, actually. And I'm really looking forward to Birds of Prey now. I mean, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've I don't shared know. universe. <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna uh, gonna make up for the awesomeness that was Birds of Prey in two thousand and one. But I'm gonna watch that again today. Actually, oh. <laughs> you know the Batgirl costume was well the budget. We've said that before, but that's... and it was a badass costume. Actually, I watched. I looked at it again. I saw a screenshot, and I was like, man. That is actually like that's probably as close as you get to a real life Batwoman costume <laughs> or Batgirl. Or... Batgirl, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, the episode was awesome. If you've not watched it, then you're missing out. And why you listen to this? Catch up. Um, next week we obviously have Birds of Prey, like Ross said, but we'll move on. Uh, before we do our uh, review of the Suicide Squad New Fifty Two, Kick the Teeth Volume One, we shall have another question. <gasps> dun, 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 question time. Okay, so <laughs> so uh, Andrew Davis again. We get two from Chris Parker and Andrew Davis. Uh, we've got with the unveiling of Harley Quinn and Arrow. We've basically just answered that. Could this? No, no, we haven't. Could this affect the Batman Superman movie? No, one hundred percent not. Nah, no way. No. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure film would come before TV. Um, I don't even think that Harley Quinn would have even been mentioned or even seen. Well, do you know the reason they're not going to touch on it? Because they will not touch the Joker till this. I, I'm sorry to say this, but stagnation of death yeah. is gone. You know. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even even if if I was given the the option to direct or write a Batman film, like right now, right here at this time, I would avoid using the Joker. And I think it's good. I think it's fresh for the DC universe and the Batman. To show that he universe. doesn't fight Joker. Yeah. To yeah. show that you know it, it gives the writers that challenge to to reinvent and bring back a lot of other characters and and I think it's it's quite respectful as well that we just like leave it away and and I think Arrow have done well by using Harley Quinn because it's sort of like it's acknowledging and doing a sort of a tip of the cap to the previous Joker actors yet as we will discuss in our comic book review about Harley Quinn yeah. it also opens up the fact that Harley Quinn is more individualistic than than people might think yes yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, definitely, I don't no. think we're going to see I... any reference or mention with the. No, no, I mean. I mean the TV, the TV show can touch on it, but I think the films will stay away from it because more people are going to watch the film. The TV show being re- yeah. realistic. Um, okay, so uh, the next question from uh, Chris Parker is: Do you think? And this kind of ties into something that I spotted, Ross. Like seeing the 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 last episode. Remember, I showed you that screenshot. It looks like Ollie uh, Stephen Am was grown in a almost goatee because yes. he used to go for the full stubble, and now he's kind of shaved. Yeah, he's kind of growing the goatee. Chris is asking, um, do you think we'll see Oliver wear a more classic-looking green arrow costume anytime soon? I imagine he's meaning, like, Robin Hood still. I can't see that. But yeah. I mean, like, Mike Grell um, it, yeah, reinvented Arrow to what we see now, you know? And, and if, if, you re- if you read the new 52 comic books, Green Arrow is in a hood. You know, Green Arrow is pretty much in the... Uh, the same costume that you see in the on on the TV show, you know. So I I could maybe see him doing uh, some upgrades, maybe to his costume, but it would be more um, plot-wise upgrades rather than aesthetic upgrades, you know. I, in all honesty, I actually prefer the costume he's in right now. Like I, th- I think it's a great sort of it's a great costume, you know. And ties into and, realistic DC sort of thing yeah. they're doing with with the Nolan universe and with the uh, Man of Steel. It's more realistic. Yeah, I mean, like, if you think about it, like, that sort of, like, Robin Hood costume was good in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. It's now outdated. And, and as I said, for people like Frank Miller and Mike Grell, you know, they, they sort of, like, revolutionized, you know, not just Batman, but also Green Arrow in, in the sense of, like, how they look, you know? It's it's kind of like that question would almost be like asking, oh, uh, in the Batman Superman film, will we see Batman wearing, you know, yellow tights, uh, you know, blue tights? With and, pink and, gloves, and, you know, like yeah, he's first well, appeared. No, no, yeah, but, you know, yeah. like, or will, will we see Batman looking like what he looked like in the 1960s? Yeah, you know, true. It's like, it moves with the times, comics. So, yeah. Comics are good like that. Like, I like the fact that uh, in the Golden Age and Silver Age of comics, Ross, like, obviously, you know, characters didn't really... Uh, develop. They didn't really change. Like Robin was Robin for twenty years. He didn't age. And when it came, like it developed with the times. Like obviously, a guy running out in what Arrow wears is practical sort of thing to a, to an extent. And then you get like if he decided, like we seen in the Wonder Year or in the Longbow Hunters sort of thing. Uh, well, no, no, not the Longbow Hunters. If he seen like basically Ollie going out and deciding that he wanted to rent a Robin Hood costume and go out. In today's age, I don't think that that would be as, like, threatening or believable to people because society's developed. We're we're less we're desensitized now, and it's not a happy-go-lucky Mickey Mouse world anymore. So no, I I think the the direction that the superheroes have took in movies and now on TV with Arrow is the the most sensible decision that they've ever made. Develop your characters, let them grow up because audience these days aren't as naive. I mean. When comics first started, people heard a radio show, for God's sake, and they thought there was aliens invading the streets yeah. in America. So nowadays, people are more aware. We've got the internet. We've got access to things. We've, we know. We're aware. Whereas back then, it was more of just, it was harmless, happy, go lucky fun. And everything has its place in time. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, you've got to keep with the times or you're going to get left behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Like, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. And in terms of costume-wise, as for, like, the goatee itself, I mean... As a fan, I, w- I would love to see him as a goatee. I think it'd be oh, fucking yeah. awesome. However, though, you have gotta look at it and go: Is it practical in that universe? You know, if like it, it, right, if 
like okay, put it this way: if okay. I was was like Arrow in, in Glasgow or Air, right, and uh, you know, you you be I had the hood on and a mask on, like fair enough, people would probably know who I was anyway. But but still, like you know, like you'd be sitting going, oh, is that Ross? The moment I started growing a goatee. And then, you know, people saw me as Arrow, kind of going, oh my god, Arrow's got a goatee now. And then, like, I came out, like, the next day with exactly the same see, goatee. People see. kind of going, well, that's a bit weird. So, see, you know. I'm imagining you. Right, okay. Okay, but I'm imagining you, like, not as a billionaire, like, Oliver Queen, just as Ross, running about and deciding to grow goatee. <laughs> hey, I, 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 could, I, I can grow a goatee. Right? Okay. I'm going to prove it to you. No, I can't, actually, I tried. <laughs> But no, but seriously though, like I think maybe a a goatee, like fair enough for 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 the comic books, is an iconic look and it's something that we all think about of Green Harrow, But with the realistic look of the uh, um, of of Arrow, I don't think a, a that that a refined goatee no. will 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 sit maybe, well. Maybe some like sort of stubble, like Steve Austin style goatee, but not like a long and pointy sort of. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, idea with a curly mustache <laughs> from like back in the thirties. Oh, that that's not going to float. Um, no, no, definitely. I mean, like I, I I wouldn't mind seeing him with a wee bit more facial hair, and and the reason why is because it could also tie in with the fact that um his stress and his psych psychology could um could sort of like heart back to the fact that he's not taking care of himself physically which could possibly um uh be his sort of like his his undoing uh when he does come up to like climatic battle maybe he gets himself so stressed out to the point where he's not kept himself so we do actually see him with a beard and all that stuff like in the very first episode of Adam. yeah but it's purely because um, he's literally just so stressed out that he can't sleep and he can't eat and do anything like that at all, rather than him intentionally going. <laughs> Look, that would be a very boring Arrow episode, though. Like It'd be like you every day, like, bum, 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 that sort of music, and looking in the mirror going, ah, you know, no goatee. <laughs> Hell, man, it would take me more than five seasons to grow a bloody goatee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll move on. That was a lovely question. Keep them coming here, and uh, we'll move We'll move on we'll move on we've obviously got a lot to cover we've got the um comic book discussions part two which is new 52 suicide squad kicked in the teeth volume one and i only read this because of that last episode and we decided to throw it in as a wee bonus for you folks ross what did you what did you think of it it's good it's mm-hmm. um it's not it's not good good as in like i wouldn't rank that like I think it's like Deadpool good to put it in perspective. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it's like uh, if if you want a break from the seriousness that is like Batman and Justice League, you know, you you go down to Suicide Squad sort of idea. It's like maybe the second tier below. I mean, I've kind of I've hit with all the first issues from the New Fifty Two when they released, and um, I felt Suicide Squad was just one of those like meh fifty fifty ones. You know, it's kind of like that trash TV show that you would put on. But you were doing something else at the same time. Swamp Thing. <laughs> uh, well, well, actually, have you read Swamp? Because Swamp Thing is actually bad. No, I mean, I mean Swamp Thing, the TV show. Because I've seen. Oh that. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that kind of idea. Yeah, it was just like you know, you put it in the background, and you, you, I would like read it, but I would be half reading it, sort of idea. So, I had to reread it again uh, today yeah. uh, in order to sort of like pick up on some of the key moments of the of the actual book, but. Don't put that. I mean, like the thing is, was you got to realize this is the Suicide Squad. You know, don't expect anything to be like crazy awesome, groundbreaking, you know? changing yeah. the DC universe. 
Yeah, it, it's literally is. I mean, in all honesty, it's, it's basically it, what the other guy done. Yeah, it's it's like I mean, it was difficult. It, it's difficult for the new fifty two to sort of like reinvent the Suicide Squad because you've got to sit there and go. Task Force X slash the Suicide Squad has been around since sort of the sixties, seventies. So it's like, how can you reinvent? I mean, like Batman's different in the sense that. You know, you can always reinvent Batman or Green Arrow or Wonder Woman or Superman. Uh, you can just like you know redo their, um, uh, you know, like sort of like redo their their origins to fit the time that you're actually redoing their story. Yeah, like, whereas, like doing yeah, this now. yeah. Whereas like Suicide Squad, you've got to sit there and kind of like see if I was in charge of Suicide Squad, I would then have to get in touch with about like six, seven different writers and go right. So what are you doing with Harley Quinn? What are you going to be doing with Deadshot? What are you going to be doing with this? And it's like, can I go and shit? So, like, wh- 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 whoever's writing the Suicide Squad has done a commendable way of, like, still writing their own story, but still having to keep it within the same constraints as every other story that's going around, you know? And it's it's good, though. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just wanted to tell people that when you read it, you've got to keep that, bear that in mind that, you know, this is like an age-old sort of setup. It's like Dirty Dozen. Everyone knows what the Dirty Dozen is like, and everyone knows that the Suicide is going. Especially after you've seen like this, the latest Arrow, you're going to understand what the Suicide Squad's all about. But you need to give this one time because they have pulled in some twists and they've given it that extra oomph when you watch it, sort of idea. Eh, when you read it, sorry, eh, and it's good. It's um. It's just, it's entertaining. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, it's just like yeah. one of those ones you just read it and you're just like, what's going on? <laughs> like, I think it's what? genius. Like, we, we had everything from electric zombies to Harley Quinn defecting to, like, it, it's, it's amazing. Like, the only way I can describe this is if you're a fan of Deadpool and the wackiness, imagine that with a team of villains that once Batman's arrested them, you're usually like, I don't care about them. But the reason we're covering this is because the Suicide Squad was so brilliant, the episode, that maybe people want to know a wee bit more. And I would highly recommend this book to anyone that watched that and goes, oh, I wonder I wonder what that would be like to read. Well, read this book, trust me. Pick up uh, Kicking the Teeth Volume 1 and just, you you won't stop reading. I read, I read more than that. I read up to issue 21. Um, actually, the very first night I read it, I sat and read the lot of them, and I cannot get enough of it, Ross. And I don't like, like I've said before, team-based comics. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's like I, I've heard, like I was chatting to some friends like last night because obviously I was preparing everything for tonight, and they were saying it's like they said, if, oh, if, if you want to get Marvel folk that listen to read uh, Suicide Squad, tell them I think it's, it's it's like Thunderbolts. Is that like a team-based yeah, thing? A, Marvel? Yeah, that's a team. They go, Marvel. it's like it's like Thunderbolts, but more sarcastic and better sort of mm. idea and i was like all right cool i'll throw that out there i've never read thunderbolt so i don't know but this is what my marvel fans who like dc say that it, it's like thunderbolt it is, it is, yeah, but, but a bit sort of like action-packed and a bit more sarcastic. I, I was a marvel fan like everybody knows keeping up with this show i was marvel and i've recently moved well not recently anymore i moved to dc and I still read both, but I can't stand Thunderbolts. It's just something about DC writers, like their team comics so far. I've only read Justice League in this. And this one is, is it's absolutely hilarious. Like the things that go on in Har- uh, Harley Quinn, uh, who obviously was an Arrow, and Death- Deathshot, Deadshot, sorry, not Deathstroke, who Death- Deathstroke was a, a part of the squad. And the interesting part is that at any point, you've kind of got your core three or four members, but you can have interchangeable villains yeah. kind of come and go. That's the best thing. I mean, like you, the, you kind of witness that in issue 
two or three, I think it is, when all of a sudden Captain Boomerang appears. And I'm sorry, guys, I'm going to put this down for the Arrow thing and Speed Force as well, right? I'm going to advocate Captain Boomerang being mayor of all the world. So let's get that out of the way, Dundas. But yeah, as you say, with the interchangeable side, you all of a sudden you get Captain Boomerang in the mix. And it's like, thing is, is that they all think they're getting rescued. Then all of a sudden, it's pure like, ah, no, you're not. <laughs> you're getting a new person yeah. in. It's pure like, uh, what is going on? I love, I love the interchangeability. It's basically, so far what I've read, it's Amanda Waller's story mixed with Deadshot and Harley. Um, but what I would love to see, Arrow first season obviously was made created on TV to get the viewers, get Stephen Amos top off, get him doing sit-ups, get a lot of action sequences, not too much heavy comic references, just sly ones. And then season two went, oh, okay, we can introduce characters. I want season three to go even further, okay? So imagine season three about halfway through, uh, Suicide Squad Returns, Ross. Do you know what character I want? Go on then. Hit us hey. over Meat, meat. <laughs> yes, King Shark. <laughs> King yeah. Shark. I, I was going to save that, right? Because because <laughs> King Shark is literally the big greatest <laughs> thing. Th- I'm not even say character thing that I've ever yeah. seen on on like comic books. I yeah. was just like, I watched it. And I was just like, like read it. I was just like, what is this guy doing? I was like, this is just awesome. See, I thought I I didn't know too much about him. I'd read about him. I think it was a uh, King of Atlantis. Or so so sorry, Sword of Atlantis, because I I like Mac Woman and uh, Sword of Atlantis. Uh, King Shark was a villain, and I looked a bit back into his backstory, and he actually started out as a Superboy villain. And uh, he's he, he, uh, since he's appeared in the New Fifty Two, uh, he used to be like a he looked like a Great White Shark, and I asked Ross about it the other night, but it was obviously the healing from the Miraculo, and uh, he's now a hammerhead shark, and he even makes a reference to it in one of the stories, and he says, uh, I, I, eat I eat great whites for breakfast or something, and it's just like, it's so good, I love this guy. Yeah, he's just, he's like, um, he's like sort of like the Hulk of the Suicide Squad where like he doesn't the only thing he does is just come out with awesome one-liners and kick ass that's pretty much what he does Uh, but yeah I mean like you know if you're really interested into or intrigued by the Suicide Squad I would recommend starting with the new 52 um, purely because trying to get into Task Force X X slash the Suicide Squad uh, pre new 52 would just you you would lose interest like I, I that's one of the reasons why i lost interest in suicide squad until new new 52 was because there was so much it was so much suicide squad that i didn't even know where to start yeah. like it would get to a point where i'd have to read like hundreds of issues in order to understand whereas yeah. new 52 and i'll say this to Be any stopped. dc character always hit with the new 52 first if you like that person after the new 52 then yeah. look back and, and see what you can I, pick up. I, I'd, I'd agree completely. As a new reader, I started kind of halfway New 52, halfway reading before, but I would agree with you. Read the New 52 volume of any DC character, like Ross just said, yeah. and then read back. Not 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 anymore can you start with, like, Final Crisis. And apart from one book, Identity Crisis, I'll give it its due. That book is just... I, I, I'm sorry, Ross. I know you. you no, no, it's it's, is, it is, it's it's so good that we should have spent two episodes on it now. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, Ross. Ross told me about this ages ago. Like he kept saying identity crisis, and you can all understand my trepidation from going into listen to that big word. You can all oh, understand oh. my apprehension. Listen to that other big word. Going into the, <laughs> going into this book, right? Um, but 
it's because I'd read some other crisis stories and they're confusing as hell, but this one is perfect. In fact, I w- before New 52, Ross, I would say pick up Identity Crisis if you want to read DC. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I think, like, if I was to turn around, if someone turned around to me and said, what pre-New 52 book should you tell people to read? And I would turn around and say Identity Crisis. Like, that, that pretty much involves every single superhero and villain you can possibly think of, yeah. as well as uh, it's a an open and close, it's an open and oh, shut story, yeah, you know. No, please read Batman issue one five. Please read Green Arrow. It's 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 basically sets them all up, lets you know roughly who they are, gives them a brief kind of history, and it doesn't confuse. That's yeah. the best thing. It's it's the great thing ever, and like bring it back onto the Suicide Squad. Like even the Suicide Squad as we're watching as we're reading it there. Uh, I, I've only read up to issue seven. I've not read any more, Ali. So keep. <laughs> Keep keep your trap shut first, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like even just just reading the first volume of it, like I think there's three volumes that are out so far um, for for Suicide Squad. Uh, I wouldn't, I mean, I can't say to pick up all three. I'm pretty sure Ali would tell you to do, but oh. for for uh, the first seven issues, for the first sort of trade paperback, definitely definitely go for it because it's something different. That's that's the thing about Suicide Squad. Is it's different from your Aquaman, your Batman, your Justice League, your Justice League International, your Justice League Dark, you know, your all your other team sort of based New Fifty Two comic books. The Suicide Squad just seems to have that um, that little bit of a twist on it. And as I said, you have King Shark in it. As I said, it's just like a humanoid hammerhead shark. You've got Harley Quinn. You've got Deadshot. You've got another guy that I can't remember. Is um, the guy that does all the lightning stuff? I can't. Yeah, Voltia. You know, you, you've got. It's just this mishmash of people. And as I said, it's like it's like the Dirty Dozen, but yeah. in comic book form. And if you love the Dirty Dance, uh, the Dirty Dancing, you'll love it. The- <laughs> Nobody <laughs> puts Ross in a corner. That's <laughs> <laughs> my mind going to these days. If you, if you love the Dirty Dozen, you'll love the Suicide Squad. And, right. it's a great and you will have the time of your life. No. Okay. Oh, yeah. You will have the time of your life when you watch this. And, I mean, usually we sort of break down the story for you, but with the Suicide Squad, I want to keep this as fresh as possible, especially if you're coming off the back of listening to this after watching the most recent Arrow and you want to find your next comic book, I would suggest Suicide Squad. Um, definitely, it gives you a breakup of what we're doing on our reading list as well. So yeah, we, we're nice to you like that. That's what we feel. We yeah. feel like okay, the listeners are maybe getting bored about Green Arrow, this runs and quiver, which you shouldn't be because it's amazing. But we thought we'll be nice and we'll break up reading habits as everybody does. But yeah, I would agree with us. Like he had the time of his life reading this, and <laughs> he, he refused to be put in the corner. So why not read it? We know what Ross done when he was off work. <laughs> Musical. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing. I wasn't ill at all. I was just out, 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 out touring on like you know the Scottish the Scottish tour of uh, dancing, dan- dancing on um, dancing on ice. Oh my God, what what's happening with me? I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> you watch when you've been off, Ross. Oh, oh. we've lost <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm hallucinating. I'm delirious. <laughs> but seriously though, yeah. Um, Anyone that's listened to it, whoever's listened to this episode just just mm. now, get on a Suicide Squad uh, and let us know your thoughts. Let us know your thoughts on these on on the comic books that we um, that we've been ch- chatting to. Post up on on our Facebook um, 
Starlin Radio, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Starlin Radio, and tweet us uh, at Starlin Radio as well. So, you know, let us know what you think about our, our recommendations and what, what you think about the characters that we've discussed yeah, as well. Do you like what we've been reading? Do you want different things discussed? I mean, we're doing this for you. We're not the one. Well, I do listen to this show. I'm, I'm a couple behind, though. I was, I was having a laugh the other night with one of the listeners who was talking to me, Chris, and he was saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely caught up. Can't wait for this week's episode. And I'm like, well, I'm too behind myself. He's like, what do you mean? You're on it. <laughs> You know. I just I just listened to Do You Dig the Dig on Loop? I think it's gonna be a next Christmas number one. <laughs> Ross is in talks with Simon Cowell, obviously after his week off, you know. <laughs> I dance, you know. <laughs> Sorry, we're completely digressing, but I'm sure if they don't dance, then you don't dance anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't dig the dig, yeah. you still dig the dig. There's no there's no one digging the dig. <laughs> oh, so we better move on and get this episode a wee bit wrapped up because we've we've had an extra special long episode. So Ross, how many quiv- will we say quivers? No, 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 we won't. We'll Let's go for I don't know how many how um, many neck implants out of five are you going to give this? I have to give this one a three. I reckon. I mean, it's good. It is actually good, but I don't. In terms of like a, a from a sort of technical point of view it's not that good but from a fanboy point of view it's good so uh, three and a half three and a half okay i i I was gonna give it a four right because i just fell in love with this book and like i was like this is the best thing um just about tonight i'm gonna read from um i've just got uh 22 to 29 and i don't know if it's got much further i mean this is a monthly book and i i I just want to devour this this will be all read by tomorrow but um, we're going to cover volume two. I'm sure we will at some point to break up some more Arrow stuff later on, and I'll I'll give it four. So it's a, a roughly three point five for us. Well, I reckon I reckon we should round up and go for a four. Then you know I'm 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 I'm, I'm all good for the rounding up. So <laughs> ah, nice one. So a four overall, four neck implants going. You know, <laughs> uh, that's a bit sick. If what that pop means? <laughs> your your mad sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> It's a technical soundboard we've got here in the studio. <laughs> you know, we're all high tech here. So that that is absolutely awesome that we have gave that. I just, I love this book. I, I would, uh, not as much, Identity Crisis have to be one of my favourite comics I've ever read, written. Written? <laughs> really? <laughs> read. Never mind. My mind's on other things, listeners. But um, <laughs> it has to be one of the best things I've ever read. And uh, out of, like I, I like I said, I don't like Avengers. Like, the only team I used to think was acceptable was the X-Men because it wasn't a forced team, if you know what I mean, Ross. The rest of them have been previous characters put together. So uh, that was come from a Marvel point of view. But in DC, I've gave them a chance. Justice League New 52 is bound. Suicide Squad, just as good. I think I think it must be the fact that because like um you said like the X Men um they were like thrust together sort of idea. Um whereas like, you know, in the, I suppose like the new fifty two Justice League is exactly the same. They they were technically thrust together because like they were all doing their own thing until Dark Side came along and, and they all got thrust together and and as you read along the Justice League you realise the um the weaknesses to being thrust together in that team as well. Uh, which obviously uh, we we'll, we may discuss this on another uh, podcast, uh, Comic Book One Hundred and One, at a certain point in time. But yeah. yeah, in terms of like the DC and the Justice League and stuff like that, you know, um, uh, yeah, it's I can understand where you're coming from. 
Uh, and with the Suicide Squad, that's probably the, the exactly the same incentive as the fact that everyone that's in the Suicide Squad has been thrust together. Nobody knew every, anyone. Like, they might have heard of each other, but they'd never known each other personally until, well, except maybe Captain Boomerang and uh, Deadshot, but I won't say any more after that. But, uh, but yeah, you know, like, Harley Quinn and Deadshot didn't know each other. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they, they have to hmm. form a team. And they have to survive, basically. You know, they have to form a team to survive, and it's good. And and it's if you're into those sort of like uh, underdogs, like fighting against the man sort of idea, then Suicide Squad's for you. Yeah, I would I would highly recommend it anyway. But we've got to sadly finish this mega show. And um, Ross, how is your uh, plugs looking this week? You all ready? You all refreshed? Ready back to read them or? Uh, two seconds. <laughs> Tom. Uh, yeah, Tom. I've got it now. Yeah, you can cool. catch up with all things SCR over our website, mm-hmm. uh, TK. You can find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Uh, just search Stalin City Radio and you'll find us there. Uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Starling Radio and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Starling Radio. We're also now part of the comic book, uh, comic podcast network and mm-hmm. also part of the All Games Network where you can hear us on Friday nights, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can. yeah, pick us up there and as I said, tweet us at Starling Radio is the best place to go and like us on facebook.com forward slash Starling Radio. We will answer anything that you throw at us. Easy. So hit us with your best for next week's episode. It'll hit be us with your best shot. Ross, have you spent a week in the 80s? Is that where you've been? I think I, think I have been. I think I've <laughs> I, I think I've gotten a DeLorean and, and ended up going back to the 80s. Um, but yeah, but I know, it really has been an 80s themed sort of like vocabulary that I've brought out today. But anyway, but yes, as I said, Twitter at Starling Radio, mm-hmm. Facebook.com forward slash Starling Radio. And uh, we're now part of the Comics Podcast Network and we're also part of the All Games Network. So yeah. get us there. Yes, you can. And uh, StarlingCityRadio.tk if you don't like using podcast sites or um itunes or stitcher radio but they're all good places to get us and um yeah i'll just finish up this show we've got a plug uh, but it's for 42 level one which is on a tuesday night um i wasn't there last week the guys had a good time we cover video games if you like us half past nine british time uh, I don't know the rest, but I have to work at the time difference to listen to your shows, so do the same favour. Um, you can get us there at half nine Greenwich Mean Time on All Games Live. And if you want to hear us live and you only use Stitcher, you can go to uh, Stitcher Radio and type in All Games, All Games Radio, and you'll find a live feed there, Ross. So mm, that's uh-huh. nice to me. And and if you listen to that Agents of Shield cast that I've heard they've got going on, it's pretty good. Yeah, I was yeah Agents of Shield cast. Um, I've actually caught up on mm-hmm. Marvel's Agents of Shield, and uh, I can't believe I'm going to mm-hmm. say this. It's actually not bad. <laughs> everyone has uh, their own opinion. It's, it's all right, uh, <laughs> but uh, no. If you're kind of if you listen to yeah. this and you love Arrow, but you're actually more into uh, the Marvel comic books, then. Uh, Tune into uh, Stone City Radio first, then afterwards go away and listen to uh, Agents, Agents of Shieldcast, yes. which yes. is hosted by the Howlers that are <laughs> Agent Urquhart and Agents of uh, Chaos. 
Agent, it's, it's Captain Chaos. It's Chip Captain Seller Chaos. Chaos. Cap- uh, Chip Seller, that's it. Chip Seller from the B team. And yeah, it's a, if you, I'm not a fan. I can't. I love Marvel and I can't watch that show. But um, if you like it, they do a good job. So go and listen to them. And we'll be back next week. We'll be bringing you some more guests soon, hopefully. And um, I hope you enjoyed the guest tonight. I know Ross did. And um, Ross, we've got a, a wee quote from you here since a lot of Batman got thrown into us this, this week with Harley Quinn uh, this is um, Green Arrow speaking to Batman okay take it away Ross <clears throat> speaking of double identities at first I thought you might be Wayne then I saw you in action no way you could be that preening hip- hypocritical womanizing sack of ego Wayne probably thinks raising an eyebrow in his hard labor <laughs> if he were a little smarter He'd have the IQ of Moss. <laughs> Moss from the IT crowd. Booyah. I'm a legend. Okay, so thanks, thanks, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you tune in next week. I've been Ali and he's been Ross. This has been Starling City Radio. Bye now. <laughs>